Hello and welcome to another episode of EV Life. I'm your host, Crystal Maharaj, and I'm joined by Allison Bench, who is the producer of the podcast. Hello, Allison. Hi, Crystal. So this week on the podcast, we talked to Russell Bellick from Nate. And why did we want to bring Russell on? So, you know, as we move forward, uh, this podcast, I think, is all about looking to the future and, and, you know, learning about what's happening now, but learning about what are, you know, what Canada is going to look like, what Canada's roads are going to look like in 10 years from now, 20 years from now. Right. And a big part about that is educating uh, young people or people looking to break into the automotive industry. And that industry is going to change too. Right. Because as demand for EVs go up, so will the demand for people who can fix these cars, right? To my understanding, if you are an automotive technician, you probably don't know much about fixing an EV because they are very different in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and you know, we did look into programming that is completely focused on EVs. And there are a few programs in Canada, but not a lot yet. Right. And so we're chatting with, like you said, Nate today and their automotive program does have aspects of learning about EVs. They have a, a hybrid program and it's just very interesting to hear that this has been actually taught to their students for 10, over 10 years now. And, and just so much has changed in that time and more will continue to change. As we said, as more people adopt EVs, more training will become available. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that this interview is just good for people who are just interested in hearing about Nate's programming in general, because a lot of the stuff that uh, Russell said, I didn't really know um, just about what goes into training someone who's wanting to become an expert in automotive. Yeah, it was very interesting to talk to Russell because, you know, he's seen quite a lot of changes in the automotive industry. So I'm sure this is just, I mean, for for the consumer and the average Canadian, we're seeing our roads change in terms of what's being driven on them. But for someone like him who's worked in the industry for so many years, he knows a lot more things than we do. So without further ado, let's go to my interview with Russell Bellick, who is the Academic Chair of Automotive Parts and Materials Handling Program at NATE, also known as the Northern Alberta Institute of Technology. Thank you so much for joining me, Russell. I'm so excited to talk to you and to talk to you about, specifically about the the programs that are available to our students here in Alberta who are interested on working on hybrid and electric vehicles. So can you tell me a little bit about the current training that students in Nate's automotive programs go through when it comes to EVs? Sure, I'd be happy to. So currently here at Nate, uh, we deliver apprenticeship program and we also have an automotive diploma program. Our curriculum is set out by a group of individuals that give the programming to Alberta uh, Apprenticeship. So for our EV training, right now we have hybrid training. So there's a number of similarities between EV and hybrid, and I'll, I'll just go through what we currently do right now. And we've been doing hybrid training here at Nate since 2012. So quite some time. Yeah. So with the hybrid training, uh, we go over the general operation of how a hybrid vehicle works so still uses a gasoline engine but a hybrid vehicle uses uh, two motor generators uh, one of the motors is attached to the wheels and the other motor is attached to the engine so on the hybrid side of things 
The motor that is attached to the wheels can be used to drive the wheels, but it can also be used when you're coasting to charge the hybrid battery. And then the motor that's attached to the engine, that engine, when it's being used as a motor, is used to start the engine. And when it's being used as a generator, it's used to charge the, the hybrid battery. So there's a lot of similarities in between a hybrid vehicle and an electric vehicle. Uh, the hybrid vehicle uses uh, an engine. An electric vehicle uh, uses the battery for its sole source of power. Uh, with the hybrid engine, uh, the programming that we currently deliver, the hybrid vehicles use uh, two electric, we call them motor generators. So there's one motor that's attached to the wheels. Mm -hmm. And when it's being used as a motor, it drives the wheels. When it's being used as a generator, it powers and charges the hybrid battery. There's a second motor generator that's attached to the engine. When it's being used as a motor, it starts the engine. And when it's being used as a generator, it charges the, the hybrid battery. So in making similarities between a hybrid vehicle and a, an electric vehicle, they both use... Uh, high voltage batteries. It's just that when you have the EV vehicle, the battery is much, much larger than what you would find in, in a hybrid vehicle. Uh, they also use um, AC to DC inverters. So the, the battery in a hybrid vehicle uh, is charged. Uh, it has to be charged in a DC, in a DC or direct current. Mm -hmm but the motor generators produce alternating current. So we need to have an inverter that converts the alternating current into direct current and vice versa, direct current into alternating current when we're, when we're under uh, battery power. So we have uh, a couple of similarities there in between uh, the EV and uh, the hybrid. And what we deliver here on the hybrid side of things is we go over the operation. So we go over the components of a hybrid system that's different from just a normal gasoline or, or diesel-powered engine. Right. We go over the safety side of things. So the whether it's EV or whether it's hybrid, you're looking at voltages that generally are over 300 volts plus. So in a hybrid vehicle, they have a, a disconnect system that disconnects the high voltage side of the hybrid vehicle from any of the components that you might want to work on, whether it's the inverter or the motor or anything that has the orange wiring that, that indicates that it's a high voltage system. So we have the students, uh, they go through a, a test where they test for high voltage and then they go and disconnect the high voltage side and then they test again just to make sure that the high voltage side has been isolated. Just to make sure it's safe to work on? Exactly. So um, if you're having to do work where you have to remove a particular hybrid component, even though you're not working on the hybrid side of things, but mm -hmm. you need to move that component to work on something else, then this is would be the procedure for being able to isolate the hybrid system so that the, the high voltage stays in the battery and it it's not uh, in any of the components that are attached to it. So we have a, a fleet of nine hybrid vehicles here that we've accumulated over the years and the students will do 
a couple of labs and they'll get an opportunity to work on a number of different vehicles for doing that lab where they're disconnecting the high voltage side to make sure that they're doing it safely and properly. So I just want to understand properly this hybrid course, is it separate from the automotive course or is it uh, a part of that overall automotive training? It's part of, and we've been doing this for all of the apprentices that have been coming through since 2012. So any anyone who takes the automotive training will get training on the hybrid vehicles as well? Correct, correct. And how long is the automotive training? So for someone to become certified in the automotive trade, they would come here for uh, four eight-week technical training sessions, Mm -hmm. and then they need to accumulate 6,240 hours of on-the-job training, Mm -hmm. and then they would become certified. And how much of that training is focused on the hybrid learning? We focus uh, around 18 hours between the theory and the lab portion for, for the hybrid side of things. And you said that training has been provided since 2012? Yes. And is that something that you constantly have to update? Well, as we get uh, more vehicles in, the vehicles that we have, they're all for the hybrid side of things. They're old. They're vehicles that uh, that have been donated to us. Mm-hmm. So we we are constantly getting components from manufacturers. So we have a really good network that we're with uh, the Edmonton dealer group and dealers within the Edmonton region that, for example, they might replace a component and say it's a battery. And they would say, hey, do you guys, does Nate want this battery for a show and tell piece so that you can show what goes on inside the battery? And we Mm -hmm. would take the battery, we'd open it up, we'd make sure that the voltage is safe on it, and then we could show the students what's what's inside the battery. And and really, when you open up, uh, uh, whether it's a battery out of Uh, an EV or whether it's a battery out of a hybrid, Mm -hmm. you have a number of cells that are hooked together and each cell is maybe around two and a half volts, three volts, and they're hooked uh, positive to negative so that the voltage is increased with all of those cells as they're hooked up. So if you have 150 cells in there, then you could have 300 volts just by the way that they're connected to each other. So that training naturally evolves as you all acquire more equipment and more pieces that you can use in the class, correct? Yeah. So we like to have pieces that break. Oh, yeah, of course. (laughs) That's perfect for teaching. Yeah. Yeah. And throughout our throughout our entire program, we have all kinds of broken pieces. We have good ones, but we want to show, well, this is what can happen. So throughout all of the four periods that we have, we would have broken pieces of you name it. So getting a a hybrid uh, transmission, we have a a number of those and we have a number of uh, cutaways. So what we'll do is we'll get uh, a transmission, for example, and to show what's inside of it, we'll cut portion of it out so that students students can see what's inside of it. So if you ever have a chance to visit our campus and go on any of our tours, we have cutaways of almost all the different components of the vehicle so that, oh, I wish I knew what was going on underneath that particular whatever. Well, we would cut away so that we could show the critical examples of how it works and to take the wonder and why out of it and say, oh, that's how it works, because I see that they've cut out a piece of it so that I can see what's going on. So we have 
cutaways of a hybrid transmission. Mm-hmm. And we've got different sections of the transmission cut away so that students can see the motors that are inside the transmission. They can see where the what the inverter is and they're able to not just look at it from the outside, but see some of the components that make that up. We also have uh, complete hybrid assemblies that have the two motors, the two uh, the engine, the inverter, and then we're able to make the engine run and we can activate the wheels or we can have it charge the battery or we can have it run the motor. And that's something that we purchased from a training aid provider that would make something like that for us. So once again, if you ever visited the campus and went on one of our tours, we'd be able to show you all of those uh, cutaways and things that we have for the students and, and what we can do for them. Can anyone do a tour? Yeah, we have open houses. Mm. And if you'd like to arrange for a tour to come in to see what we have, we're, we always like to have people come in and see what we do here. Right. So they can contact myself or they can contact the transportation department and we'd be more than happy to make arrangements to to have tours of our program. We like to show it off. Yeah, I'm sure there are a lot of people who would be interested in seeing those cutaways. I know I would be. So... You mentioned you have nine hybrid vehicles. Do you have any electric vehicles in your fleet? We do not. No? Okay. So we transfer that over from, we, we make the the comparison that the hybrid has, sorry, that the EV has the larger battery. Mm. The EV has no engine. Uh, the EV has, uh, the the motor is much larger in an electric vehicle than it would be in a hybrid and that you have to have a way to charge the battery. Uh, and there's different ways that the batteries can be charged. They can be charged at a charging station by direct current, or the batteries can be charged. Uh, if it's at home, then you can charge it with alternating current as well. All technical colleges in Alberta must follow program standards, and that's the reason why the hybrid component was added to the you know Nate's um, automotive programming. So, what do you think the time frame will be for there to be a fully electric component? Are there already internal talks at Nate to move forward with that? Because, like you know, I'm sure you're aware of you know m- manufacturers moving to include more electric vehicles in their fleets and mandates from governments across the world. Um, you know, saying that all light duty vehicles need to be electric by certain dates in Canada, it's 2035. So are there talks already to incorporate more EV training? Yes, there are. And we're looking at it from a couple of different perspectives. When it comes to EV training and what I just mentioned about hybrid, we're I was talking specifically geared towards technicians. But when it comes to EV training, you have a lot of different aspects to it where we're we're developing programs for that. And you can start out with the consumer that as someone is looking at purchasing an EV, similar to what you have with one of your podcasts, as far as what is it, what are you looking for? What do you want? Yeah. Uh, that we're looking at putting together a program for the purchaser. And then if you go one step up from there, you could take the auto technician who hasn't seen us in the last 11 or so years and wants to know about EVs. So maybe they 
they just want to have some insight so that when an EV comes into their shop mm -hmm. for a set of tires, for example, that they're not scared to work on it, that they know they have an understanding of how it works and, and what to go, where they can go to safely work on it. So it would be like um, sort of just like supplemental training that existing technicians could come back in and learn those things or just would this be more like you mentioned the podcast so just information that you're putting out there so that people are more comfortable with it it would be a supplemental training okay what nate would be working on nate can offer supplemental training or micro credentials in whatever we feel is need out there in the in industry so i mentioned uh the consumer technician who wants to to work on the, uh, an EV vehicle but might not be familiar with it, you could go to uh, a salvage yard where you're going to have some training for people that are working in salvage yards and taking those apart to mm -hmm. make sure that they under understand what they have to do to safely dismantle it. Yeah, I've got to disconnect that battery. <laughs> yeah. First responders, when they come to uh, uh, an accident scene, and they have to cut the roof off. Mm -hmm. If they cut the roof off, what's going to happen? What are the safety concerns with that? So there's there's a number of different aspects before you get to the technician who has to take the electric vehicle that doesn't run or doesn't charge or doesn't move where he or she has to, to diagnose that vehicle in order to get it to move again. So we're looking at that whole suite of different areas where we could offer training for EV vehicles outside of just just the technician training. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, because it's it's really a, a wave of of new technology that that is starting to hit Alberta in a in a really big way. It, right. That you can see it over the last couple of years. It's here. It's here, and it, it's yeah. It's coming our way. I was recently at a, a service station in in BC, and they had seven Tesla charging <laughs> stations at that station. And if you go to Southgate Mall, they have about six Tesla charging stations at Southgate Mall as well. So it's... Yeah, I think most people can, at least in the major cities, um, you know, we're seeing those charging stations pop up. It seems like everywhere or in a lot of places. Yeah, and it'll only become more and more, especially when it becomes a government mandate and mm -hmm. also when people start to uh, buy into it. Yeah. So if there are students who attend Nate who specifically want to learn about EVs and want to break into that industry, are there options right now for them? Going back to the programs that we're developing, mm -hmm. the, the only program that we have at the moment would be on the apprenticeship diploma side okay. where we go through through the operation of the hybrid and then make some links to the EV side of things. But the other ones, they're in development right now. So soon. We're yeah, we're working on them and yeah. we're hoping to have them out and you know so that uh, people can sign up for them and and get up to speed with with EVs and and hybrids as well. Are there any schools or courses in Canada that are offering specific EV training? There are. There are. So okay. uh BCIT does. Mm. Uh they were given uh some provincial funding to develop a program. Okay. And there's a couple of colleges in Montreal 
that also uh, one's an English college and one's a French college. It's it's different. So, but in Montreal, they have the two colleges. If some, if an individual has been certified as a auto technician, mm-hmm. they have a year long program that covers EV and hybrid for someone that wants to go on the technician side of things. Right. So the the EV side in Montreal, I was recently there uh, and there's EVs driving there all over the place. So it's really, they have a much bigger demand for it there. Right. And, and I would say that it got there sooner, not even the demand, that it just got there sooner. And it got to, to, uh, the lower mainland sooner. And, and if I back up, uh, in 2008, there was four of us that went to San Francisco for hybrid training because that's one, it was one of the hotbeds for where hybrids were at that time. Mm-hmm. So it, the started as the hybrid, now it's evolving to the EV side of things, but it's moving it almost seems like it moves from the coast and maybe from the St. Lawrence River and it's moving its way in right. to to get across the country. And and you know, I looked at or I went over your podcast as far as there's more electrification stations in the southern part of Alberta than there is in the northern part of Alberta. Right. So it and it takes a while. Mm-hmm. It takes a while for this for people to adapt to this because it's, it's a huge change for yeah. people. And, and the big thing is that everybody's all bent on the, the range. Yeah. That's a big one. But probably 98% of the time people never drive 400 kilometers in a day. They right. go to work and go back. So you, you need to consider that when you're looking at what you're going to buy as far as, well, what is it that's out there, but what is it that you really need? Well, speaking of change, <laughs> you might find this a little bit funny, but how much change have you seen during your tenure in the field? Oh, well, I've seen a lot. <laughs> I bet. That's why I kind of laughed, but. So when I first started out, I really learned about the the infancies of fuel injection. Propane was kind of big at that time. That really died off. Propane was really cheap. Hmm. Uh, some some people were using natural gas. There is still some natural gas around, but it it uh, it gained more traction than propane did. And then vehicles started to get anti-lock brakes. So if a vehicle had anti-lock brakes, they put a sticker on the back of it somewhere sometimes saying that it had anti-lock brakes. Well, now everything has anti-lock brakes and then nobody puts a sticker on it saying that it has anti-lock brakes. It just has it. Right. It's just the standard now. Yeah. Airbags was the same thing. People came out with just the dryer, the steering wheel had an airbag and some vehicles, the passenger airbag was an option. <laughs> and then they they went from not just having one airbag for the steering wheel, but now there's airbags all over the place. You got right. side curtain and seat, you name it. There's probably 10 airbags in just one vehicle. So basically what you're telling me is the industry is just constantly changing, right? So this is sort of, this is a big change, I guess, to a lot of people going from ICE vehicles to EVs. But, you know, it's all the technology is always evolving in some way. We're in the infancy of the EV and we're in the infancy of the battery technology. Right? Manufacturers would want to go to a solid state battery where they're not using any electric uh, liquid electrolyte in between the anode and cathode of the battery. And they're trying to get the electric motors 
uh, lighter. Mm-hmm. They're quite heavy, I've heard. They, they are because they use a lot of copper. And one of the big things that manufacturers want to do with the electric motors is the, when it comes to the magnets. So the big part of the cost of building the, the electric motor is the cost of the magnet. So in the they want to use less rare earths within the magnet that's within the electric motor. Mm-hmm. And it's turbidium, neodidosum, and disoprosum is the the rare earths that are within the magnets. And what manufacturers want to do is when they first started building the, the magnets, they put those rare earths all over the magnetic surface. And now they want to try and just put the the rare earths specifically where they're needed to help reduce cost, reduce weight, increase range. All those things go go hand in hand. Yeah. That it just there's so much there. Is there one thing in particular that you're most looking forward to? I'm looking forward to I'll give you two. The one is that the the safety systems that are on the vehicles Mm -hmm. in natural progression, some of them were optional. And that would be if you drive a vehicle that lets someone know that you're in your blind spot, for example. Well, that was that started out being an option. Right. And now manufacturers, that's not an option anymore. That becomes standard equipment. So I see that these safety systems that started out as optional, that as the technology gets cheaper and I see that more and more manufacturers are putting it on, just like I mentioned about anti-lock brakes, you'll have all of those safety systems that I just went through, that'll be standard equipment. So I I really see that as being a, a benefit for uh, safety of the occupant that's inside the vehicle and even the design of the vehicle for safety when they're hitting pedestrians. There's a standard for how vehicles are, are built so that if there's a low impact with a pedestrian that, that they won't be hurt. So that's number one. And the second thing is that with the, the evolution of the electric vehicle, I can see that with the advances in technologies that the cost to own them will come down right and that'll be more it'll be more affordable for more people to get into the electric vehicle side of things because if you look at tesla tesla started out with a luxury vehicle and worked their way down and it became much more popular than toyota prius did where toyota started out with an economy car and wasn't as popular because it was small and not too big and not too powerful. So I can see that the advances in technology will make uh, electric vehicles more affordable for, for everyone. I think that's one that a lot of people are looking forward to. Russell, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. You're welcome. All right. Thank you. So that was my interview with Russell Bellick, who is the academic chair of the Automotive Parts and Materials Handling Program at Nate. So, Allison, what did you think of that interview? I mean, I loved it. I I was so interested hearing about him talking about, you know, how the students, they do cross sections of the engines to really give them a view of everything that's in there, because it's true. And I say this as somebody who doesn't know anything about (laughs) engines, but when I peek into my car... I have no idea what's going on under there. So I think that would be so helpful for new students. And I, I'm i very intrigued by just hearing about, you know, they, they've already been teaching 
their students about hybrids for 10 years. So right. 10 years down the line, what's it going to look like? It's very exciting. Yeah. And I, you know, was surprised to hear that anyone can attend these open houses. So if you are interested in seeing some of these cutaways, uh, definitely look them up. And I'm sure State probably has similar programs. So go check them out. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the EV Life podcast. Make sure that you subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to your podcast so that you never miss an episode. And if you want to reach us, you can do so by sending an email to community at ama.ab.ca. And we look forward to talking to you next week.